Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Owen McGabinowo, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's great to have you, Owen. We've we've been connecting and, and emailing, I don't know, probably three or four years now, back yep. and forth. Um, you were, you shared, um, your, your products with us in the past, shared it on the, on the podcast as a sponsor in the past. And, uh, and recently I said, you know what, we should just have you on the show. We should have you on the show. Talk about, uh, procedures and, and processes and standard operating procedures, how to document all that stuff. Um, and so that's what we're going to do today. Awesome. Um, awesome. Let me introduce you to anybody who may not know who you are or what sweet process is. Owen is the CEO and co-founder of Sweet Process. It's an easy to use software that enables company executives and their employees to collaborate to quickly document or improve their standard operating procedures, their processes and their policies. Standard operating procedures is one of those things that small firm architects struggle with all the time. We hear this all the time at Entree Architect. We're small business owners, right? And yeah. standard operating procedures that's the foundation of a thriving business. We all know that, right? And it's the foundation of our firm's success. What needs to be done? How does it need to be done? Who needs to get it done, right? Those three things really are the foundation of this stuff that we're gonna talk about. Um, and so I, I, Sweet Process is all about that. And Owen is an expert here. So I wanted to invite him on. 
share some of the, 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 the lessons we can learn, talk about how to document uh, standard operating procedures, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Sound good, Owen? Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. Let's, uh, before we do that, every episode, I invite my guests to share their origin story. I love to understand where people come from and how they got to where they are. So go back as far as you want to go back and share how or what inspired you to do what you do today. How did you discover your passion for what you do? So it started when my mom first met my dad. <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So hey, if you want to start there, <laughs> we can start there. So I'm going to start from how Sweet Process actually started. So Sweet Process started uh, um, the fourth quarter of 2013, but slightly before that, I used to run an agency where I used to provide entrepreneurs here in the U.S. with uh, basically uh, virtual assistant and staff that would take over their work. Uh, you know, so they would hire my team in the Philippines and we'll take over their work and get some of this back office operations done for them. And this was during a period where, you know, these two books were very popular at that point. It was the four hour work week as yep. well as the, the world is flat. And so those books, I, I think, kind of introduced small business owners to the idea that they could actually, you know, get uh, work uh, and basically outsource work uh, internationally. And it wasn't just the thing where, the, the big companies could do it because before them a lot of people just thought you know this was the big companies could do it and they would just go and hire like 150 people seats and handle their uh, uh you know their customer service and all that but these books you know basically brought it to the mindset that small business owners could actually do it and so at that point i was offering that service you know finding people here in the u.s who needed that kind of work uh but one of the problems that they had was that after reading these books they would just come with the idea that you know they would just be able to assign find somebody who will do work for them and magically everything will just happen and uh, right. they start doing work for them. But I had to do a part of education to let them know that in order for them to be able to get these people they're hiring abroad to get work done the way they want it done, they need to have documentation in place in form of standard operating procedures for all the different tasks so that the people can take over the work and at least for, for, to an extent, get the work done the way they want to do it. And then, and also that becomes an opportunity to improve from there after documentation, documentation was in place. But back then, the issue we had was there were no tools. I mean, there were tools, but the problem was either the tools were enterprise level tools, hard to use for even the client or even my team, because, you know, if the tools are hard to use, I mean, nobody's going to use it. Or we were hacking to get a bunch of different tools from the standpoint of trying to document stuff. And so in my mind, I was like, there has to be a better way. Uh, I have to figure out a way to uh, get this done. And so uh, fast forward, I was invited to uh, a podcast, Mixergy, uh, by Andrew Warner. Sure. I don't know if yep. you... Yeah, I'm so, a fan. Yep. Awesome. And his show is all about uh, getting uh, startups to talk about how they build their business and eventually sold. And then he also has another side of the podcast where it's kind of like uh, for his private community where they, they pay for to listen to the kind of content on there. And the idea is it will bring people on there to teach specific courses. And I was brought on there to teach how entrepreneurs can, you know, uh, systematize their business and document stuff so they can hand over things to other people. And so lo and behold, my uh, co-founder Jervis all the way in Australia was a member of that uh, product. And he listened to the uh, course I taught he reached out to me and it was like, uh, he liked everything I was teaching about how to document procedures and how to make it easy and stuff like that. And he, he, he basically has this app that he's trying to build and he wants my uh, uh, 
uh, taught some things. And so I said, you know, you know, let's go ahead and have a conversation. We had a conversation. And uh, in the end, I was like, dude, what you're trying to build is something that actually I'm actually want to build because we have the same problem as I do it for uh, my, uh, uh, you know, uh, customers back when I was running the agency. I was like, instead of me just telling you what to do, why don't we just go ahead and uh, form a partnership and we build this app together, right? And so I said, but before we, and he agreed and said, okay, before we go ahead and start building any code, let's first of all, spend some time. Let me have some conversations with potential customers of this app and have you know them tell me the problems they have when it comes to documenting procedures and so on and so forth so that when we do in fact build the app it's going to be based on conversations we've had as opposed to us rushing out to uh, build the software the, the reason was because you know i felt like you know there's a lot more perspective we could gain by having you know other people be uh, being involved in the conversations before we build the app and also was trying to avoid the situation where the app itself that we build end up being as hard to use as the ones that we were running into right so we you know it was kind of strategic that way we did that had over like 30 plus conversations with people and we were able to analyze all the different things they told us and figure out okay what does our app needs to be from a standpoint of solving this problem what do we need to the, the, the crap we need to remove and this stuff we need to keep in there to make it simple so that everybody and the team could use it not only just the uh, uh, the owner of the company or the managers but even people on uh, the ground level it needs to meet everybody's needs and so the fourth quarter of 2013 was when we actually did you know launch the product you know and then you know uh, everything moved forward from there so now we have over 1500. Uh, plus companies using Sweet Process. The typical company has anywhere from 20 employees all the way to 1,000 employees. We even have uh, government agencies using Sweet Process, hospitals using Sweet Process, churches. We have law firms. We have, I mean, uh, IT firms. It runs the gamut because at the end of the day, the problem is uh, across different verticals. You cannot scale a company without having documents in place, especially for work that, uh, you cannot automate, right? Work that human beings have to do, they cannot be done predictably the way you want it without having these type of documentation in place that people can always go to one single place to find those documents and improve them as needed uh, and also get their work done based on the instructions in there. Yeah. that, that I love that story. Fantastic story. I, I love the process of how it came came about being on Andrew's podcast, is it Jervis? Is Jervis? Jervis, Jervis Whitley. I, I think the Australians say Jervis, but I call him Jervis. I mean, I try to uh, yeah. call him as he answers both. <laughs> yeah, Jervis, Jarvis. So, yeah. so he, so he heard you on the podcast, reached out, said, "Hey, I'm trying to build this app. Um, you have the expertise. Let's get together." So you suggested, "Let's get together and you, and and build this app." Launched it in 2013, so almost 10 years ago. So it's 10 years of development. So I'm sure improvements over time and getting better and better and better. Um, yep. And, and uh, th I love that. I lo it's so inspiring to hear, you know, somebody having that, that, that issue, reaching out, teaching it, right? First teaching it, then saying, Okay, well, let's build a tool that helps us scale this teaching to many, many others. Um, I want what I want to do here is make this podcast an opportunity for architects when they want to figure out how to document their standard operating procedures. Mm -hmm. How do we do that, right? I know that you make that simple. And so I wanted to bring you on and share that process. Um, before we do that, can you explain a little bit about Sweet Process? I don't want this to be a commercial. So of course. everybody everybody who's listening, this is not a commercial. This is just, I, I am interested in, in what Owen's doing here. 
And I wanted to understand how the tool works before we get into the process of documenting standard operating procedures. Great question. So I'll, one of the things we will do is I'll teach a framework that you guys listening yeah. can use regardless of whether you use our software or not. It's right. just that, you know, what, what happens in the software is that we take a lot of the teachings around the framework I'm going to cover and try to do it all to all together within the software so it's easier and uh, and gets done uh, on streamlined way. So three process basically makes it easy for your, you know, you, the owner of the company, your managers, as well as your employees to first on one hand, collaborate together to document these procedures, procedures for work that you guys do on a recurring basis, right? So you have that single source of through one place you can go online and find, if I want to do this very task for my role, how do I do it? Instructions, a checklist, it will be there for you to do it. But then besides just the documentation side of things, we take it to the next level and say, well, not only can you document how work is done, if you also have real tasks to do, you can actually assign tasks to people based on, because you cannot assign a task to uh, anybody using our app without there being an underlying document for how that work is done. So employees can never say, I don't know how to do the task because right when the task is assigned to them, right there underneath the task is the specific step-by-step instructions. And so the reason why we did it, both the, we married both the documentation and the task management side of things is that, you know, we realized that a lot of insight and, and, and improvements for the underlying document comes when the work is actually being done, right? So they get this insight. So if, you, if you're using a separate app for that, now you're going to rely on the employee to come back to the documentation tool and uh, uh, you know uh, let you know to improve the underlying document. But if, if both of them are in the same place, it's not that far. They just go ahead and press the button and say, hey, this very task, I have this new insight. They pass that feedback to the manager and the manager with the click of a button can improve the underlying document and all future task instances are improved based on the uh, feedback that we were just given by the employee. All the employees themselves can go ahead and make the changes while at the same time giving managers the oversight to approve those changes. So that's just a quick overview yep. of the software. There's a lot more to it than that, but I just want to give listeners an idea of you know uh, how the software works. Do you use Sweet Process for Sweet Process? Oh yeah, so we use Sweet Process <laughs> for a lot of things in our company, for content marketing, uh, for our sales and so on and so forth. Because at the end of the day, if you have tasks that are repetitive, that you follow the same series of steps to execute them, then that's when a software like ours, which is a business process management software, comes into play. And if you want, we can jump into like the framework uh, of, yeah, on how to let, document let's stuff. Let's do that, let's do okay. that. So, the person who's listening to this, I'm assuming they're probably running a small uh, architectural firm or they might have a large firm, but maybe they've come to a situation where, you know, they're finding out that they're bottleneck in a lot of the tasks that they're doing and they're thinking to themselves, how do I not only replace myself, but when I replace myself, how do I make sure that the person who's taking over from me can actually get the work done? Or maybe it might be you're trying to onboard new employees. How do you know, make sure that they're able to hit the ground running? Or maybe an employee is leaving. How, how are you able to make sure that when the employee leaves, that knowledge that they, they, they have doesn't just leave with them? This is where documentation, having you know, procedures in place comes in. So the first thing I always tell people to do before they start documenting anything is to ask themselves, is this task, is it required for my business, uh, for us to have, uh, to, to keep doing this task. Because sometimes you have a situation where, you know, tribal knowledge, people have been doing things over and over again. And, you know, you know, this is the way we've always done it. And so I'm saying, now that you're 
taking this investment to start documenting stuff. Don't just start documenting. Ask that question. And if the answer is, mm, not really, we don't need to document. We don't really need to keep doing this. Well, eliminate that task. Now, now you're left with things that you are required to do, right? And obviously, it's, you, you, you document procedures for tasks that are on a that you do on a recurring basis because you're going to keep maybe you do it every one month every week or whatever because you keep doing it on a recurring basis so you have a documentation for it so now the next thing people i i, I tell people to ask themselves is is the task something that uh uh is a recur uh pro uh income generating task versus a task that's not necessarily income generating but it's, it's required for production to produce the things that your customers need Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out our financials on our own is not one of those things. Luckily, we have FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices, to managing online payments, to organizing expenses, and automates them with features like the digital bills and a receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team, they are always available to answer any questions along the way. Compare that to some of the other financial management tools out there. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, a.k.a. CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by ArtCat. Listen and subscribe right now at artcat.com slash podcast. That's rcat.com slash podcast, A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed. Every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So billable or non-billable or chargeable and or non-chargeable, right? So it's either direct or indirect expense. Right. Those kind of things, whether it's directly billable to a client or whether it's part of the process of running your business, you need to define that. Yes. And so the thing is, people might think they want to just jump into documenting the income generating task real 
first of all, but I said, don't do that because let's say you're successful in documenting all of that. And then you now get people to take over those tasks from you. And now you're you know, getting more customers in. They're going to come into this jam lock or bottleneck of the production side of things that you have not even kind of figured out the chaos there. Right. So that's why I say start with this side first. And so you look at the biggest bottleneck of the production type of task and say, OK, uh, first of all, which one is the one that takes the most of my time? OK, you identify that one and then you now say, OK, let's go ahead and document it. When it comes to documenting, the first thing I tell people to do is, first of all, give yourself the permission that this is going to be a continuous improvement thing where we are okay with the fact that version 1.0 would just be, you know, whatever. It's not meant to be the encyclopedia of perfection uh, at the very beginning. So install that mindset in your mind, as well as the minds of your managers and employees, that this is going to be a continuous improvement thing. So what do you do? At the very first time you're, you're working on the task, you know, just open up a document, maybe a word or whatever, and start writing the outline, the, ti- the title of the procedure and the title of each of the steps. Don't worry about the details just yet. So it's usually better when you're actually doing the work that you do that and just rather write the outline. So if it's a five-step task, by the time you're done, you would have what we call a minimum viable procedure that just has a procedure with the title of, uh, and the title of five steps, and that's it. Now, how do you go from that to details filled in. This is when you now encourage your, your managers who you've maybe verbally trained on the task or employees to say, okay, every time that you are working on the task moving forward, here's this document that's just an outline of the documents that is in place. But make sure that you know uh you know you go into that document and try to add a couple more steps in there. No, not, not step, but like details to the steps, right. right? And so when they go in there, they start entering the details into it. Now you are able to uh, review what they're doing and be able to basically approve and make, uh, you know, say this is the, the new version of the document. But what, what was just happened is it's gone from it being a thing where you are the only one responsible for everything. It's now going to become a thing where it's collaborative, where there is, uh, they're not looking at the blank screen. They have some form of outline in there and the, the role is for them to now go in and start improving uh, the, the outline and, and have more flesh to it. And when I say flesh to it, I mean text in, in inside of each step. Uh, it could be a link to a video. It could be uh, screenshots, whatever things that each step needs to have that at least gives more insight or instruction as to what that very step uh, needs to be. So that's how you go from the outline to something more fleshed out. And then as they are doing the work, obviously they're going to come across situations where, oh, maybe this step is not necessary, or maybe we need new newer steps to be added to this. Or, or you know, and so your employees should be empowered to come back to those underlying documents and be able to pass in those feedback. And over time, these documents begin to improve and uh, and get more advanced than that. Now, if it's a situation where you uh, are not able to do this yourself or your mind, your employees don't have the time to do it, well, there are also people called, uh, what's it called? Uh, process uh, consultants. They're literally people who, that's what they do. They come into companies, they look through the company's uh, uh, ways of how they're doing things and they can actually help with this documentation thing. So my goal is I'm trying to let people know that you, are, you can do it with your employees or as a collaborative thing, but if it's something that nobody has time to do, you can literally bring on somebody, like a process consultant. Obviously, you're going to pay some extra, you know, way more than if you guys did it internally. They can come in at least get you guys started, and you can take it from there after they've uh, uh, built 
the documents for you. Yeah, I, the process that you just described is is so simple. It's, I love that because I mean, I I, the, I think I would say that the audience that that's listening um, could do this right with no problem, right? That that you want to first ask yourself whether it's required. You want to define whether it's income producing or non-income producing and start with the non-income producing, the production stuff. Um, then you want to figure out the the investment of time. How long uh, are each one of these these processes take? Work on the one that takes the most time. Um, then develop a messy first draft, right? That's not what you called it, but that's what I heard. But yeah. Just get it down on paper, right? Just I gave it a fancy name. I said minimum viable procedure, but it's, it's just a skeleton right. outline and of it. Exactly. <laughs> minimum viable procedure. Yeah. Uh, M- MVP. And and basically just get it down, right? Just put a title to it and, and define the steps, which that I love, right? Because that takes us out from being the bottleneck to saying, okay, we've identified something that can be done as a standing oper- a standard operating procedure. We can very quickly, within five minutes, have a title and the steps that it requires, and you're, then your job's done, right? And then the next time that task is done, then whoever's doing that task, whether it's you or whether it's an employee, they start filling in the details while they're doing the work, right? So it's no yep. longer this, oh, we have to spend an hour today putting together a standard operating procedure. No, it's it's you're doing the work, you're just documenting what you're doing. Um, and then the final step is just keep refining that, just keep making it better and better and better. Uh, and that's how you end up with a standard operating procedure. System. And let me even add more to the framework yeah. because uh, we, I, we said that, you know, identify the biggest bottleneck of the production task, but now you've documented stuff, your employees are helping you build out the details on that very single one you identify. Now, okay, you start doing the work, you, you now identify the next bottleneck in the production, right? And then you, before you know, you, you, you start going to the next one, to the next one. If eventually, you might have ended up documenting all the bottleneck tasks in your production tasks. Now you can go into the fun, exciting one where you start looking at, okay, these income generating tasks, the sales, marketing things that are actually bringing customers. Yeah. Okay, let's do the same exact thing, documenting how we do those things so that, you know, employees can have step-by-step instructions on how they should do those things. And you can even now do even more excited stuff, go and bring in more employees who are coming into the company following instructions for these, you know, income generating tasks so they can help to take over this task from you. Maybe you're the one responsible for sales and all that. They, ta- they start taking over the task, but they, they're not coming into a company where these things are already documented. You've already taken that time to document them. And now that brings in more customers and you don't have the worry of the bottleneck on the production side because you've already taken care of that before. So this is where the framework, you know, uh, all comes together. Yeah, and not only is your work, uh, the the quality of your work gets better, right? Because now you've standardized these these procedures, your quality control gets better, the value of your company improves every time you put together a standard operating procedure, the value of your company increases. Uh, because that's what people buy when they buy a business, they buy the procedures, they buy those processes that you've developed. Especially that, let's, let's talk about that, like if, if I'm sure there's a lot of people who buy, you know, uh, entrepreneur, uh, uh, architectural firms, I mean, like uh, private, uh, 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 what, what do you call them? Not VCs, but uh, private equity, private equity, right? So they probably buy a lot of these firms. Now, if you are in the situation where you're 
trying to sell your company, which one do you think would be more valuable? The one where, yes, they have customers in there, but you know they have a lot of chaos and they don't have the documentation in place versus yours who you've taken this time to implement this framework and everything about everything you guys do is all documented. You can replace people and place people back in because everything is following the systems that you have in place. Obviously, yours will be more valuable. And let's say you're not even trying to sell the company and you, maybe you're trying to have somebody else, you know, uh, you know another generation uh, uh, right. take over, like succession planning. This is where, you know, it makes it even important to be able to have these things in place so that if the next generation takes over, they have uh, something that they, they can take over from. Now, on the other aspect, not taking this away from the owner of the company, let's put it in the mindset of the owner, like the managers. For managers, it makes it so that they can actually move to the next stage of their career, even within the company much faster because they know that by going to the next stage, whoever is coming to take over from them is, is has the instructions in place on how to do that, their very role where they're in. Even below that, the guys who are on the lower level of the company where the entry level, whatever, for them, this is a company now that, think of it from having a company that listens to you and takes your input. If this culture of where everyone is all involved in uh Put, having their say in how the work is done because the managers take this feedback from the employees as they do their work. Well, I think that's very empowering because you are literally controlling how your work is done because the feedback you get as you do the work, you can pass it back to your managers and they can take that feedback and use to improve the underlying procedures and process. So that's a culture that actually uh, encourages people to be part of the uh, changes on, and, and the way work is done. So Having this documentation in place, it, it benefits everybody, not just the owners, the managers, but people on the ground as well. All right. One of the big questions that uh, listeners have all the time when we start talking about standard oper operating procedures and systems is how do we organize them? How, how, where do we store them? Right. We develop these things. Now, how do we get them to be accessible? Well, the simple answer to that, without making it be an ad for sweet processes, will go use sweet process because we've we, the software is built That's around all this. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you find a single place online that you can do, uh, or, you know, up, uh, have these documents be on and uh, accessible to every uh, employee. So that's what you were looking for. Something that. It's online. They can all access from, uh, you know, their phone or, you know, from their desktop or whatever. And something that they can go into and they can be able to monitor changes that are happening to the document, right? Yeah. So as we wrap up here, Owen, there, what would you say is the one thing that they should start with? What's the one thing that a small firm architect can do today right now to build a better business? Well, to build a better business for tomorrow, I would say look at and figure out, okay, where are you trying to actually take the business to? I mean, what are you actually trying to do? Because it's going to be different for you know each person. Some people might be trying to build a big firm or whatever, but now that depends on you. So what, what, what are you trying to do? What's your big end goal? And then the question is, okay, what is the next step or the simplest step towards that end goal, right? That you can achieve right now. Obviously there's going to be a bunch of different steps to get there, but you know, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. So you know where you're trying to go to, what is the very next step towards that goal? And then I think that's what you should do. Cause I'm trying to make this answer applicable yeah. to everybody, regardless of what they're trying to do. And I feel like knowing where you're trying to go is the first thing you got to do first. And then what is this very next step towards achieving uh, that, that goal? 
That's yeah. great advice. So figure that out. Figure out where you want to go and what's the next step to get there. Yeah. Uh, his name is Owen Magab Nawo. Um, the the website is sweetprocess.com. But uh, Owen, you said before we started recording here that uh, you have a gift for our listeners. Can you share a little bit about what that resource is all about? Great. So I shared a, you know the framework on how to do create procedures and stuff, but you know, some people always want to have something they can start from. So we have a 52 uh, template document, a PDF document that you can get access to for free that shows you a list of a bunch of different uh, uh, standard operating procedures for different tasks in a business. And you can download it. You can go to, to get it by going to sweetprocess.com forward slash entry architect. So the name of the podcast. So sweet like candy, process like process forward slash entry architect and you'll be able to download it and get access to the document great thank you for that thanks for sharing that it's a sweetprocess.com slash entree architect oh and thank you for uh, doing what you do i mean this is this is a uh, a struggle that not only small firm architects have but small businesses around the world actually all businesses have this problem um, of all sizes and but specifically small businesses struggle with this this is something that uh, so many of us know this is how you do it, right? This is how you become successful is building these systems. But the process to build these systems are complicated. Um, and we don't have time, right? Or we just have so many things going on. So to share that very simple process that you've shared here uh, is is fantastic. I appreciate you for doing that. And I appreciate you for coming by here and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark, for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I wanted to just jump in here before we wrap things up. If this episode resonated with you, if this is something that you're interested in with this EOS system uh, and going through your architecture firm and doing some analysis work, some vision, looking at your people, data, at the Entree Architect annual meeting in November, we have a 90-minute business strategy session that's going to be based on the EOS. And so you should join us. You should go to entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting. Check out all the information about our conference for small firm architects. Uh, it's November 1st through November 3rd in Austin, Texas. And we're going to do some EOS work. So join us at the Entree Architect annual meeting. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, go write a review. I would love to know what you think of this podcast and it helps other architects find us. So go do five-star rating if you like it, share, write a review, I'd love it, and share a link to this episode with a friend because that's how we've grown. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands of architects throughout the world just like you. Thank you to our sponsors, RCAT, and FreshBooks for their support of this episode. I ask you to support them because they support us. And if they're supporting us, they're supporting you. So go support them. Got it? Go support our sponsors. Links to our sponsors. So you can click on those links and go right to them. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we shared today are available at the show notes for this episode at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. All the shows are there. entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows. I think there are 11 of them there now. Go there, gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. 
And I hope you're going to join us in Austin November 1st through November 3rd, 2022. Those are the dates for the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, our first ever live and in-person conference for you, the small firm architect community. Visit entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting right now to learn more. That's entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting, and I will see you in Austin in November. Don't miss this. This is going to be great. entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting. It's a conference for you, small firm architects. Thank you for listening today to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. 
Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.